Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with a vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you, and you're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna. Ellis. <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here, guest hosting Jenna Ellis in the morning. And I want to wish everyone a beautiful and happy Thursday morning, the 28th of September. Where did the month of September go? It seems that, you know, right around the corner, I've already seen Halloween uh, decorations up on houses. You know, here on the American Family Network Radio, the number to call in if you want to have a conversation this morning is 888-589-8840. Again, 888-589-8840. And it's a pleasure and honor to be able to share with you this morning. Well, you know what we're going to talk about today? I discussed it yesterday. It's a debate last night. And I just want to start out by saying something that I've continued to say, and I want to use a college football metaphor. You know, I went to the University of Tennessee and I just love college football. I think it's one of the great last uh, traditions that we have here in America with our our sporting system. Now, hopefully all this transfer portal and all this stuff doesn't ruin it. But when I think about how I can relate college football to what we see happening with this uh, debate system that we have going on, the GOP presidential debate, you know, because the Democrats are undermining their own democratic process by not allowing any type of debate or any type of primary challenge to Joe Biden. But yet they're always talking about undermining democracy. I think it's so important that President Trump starts to show up at these debates. I, I really do. And I've said this many times before. Why do I say it? Because before you go into a college football season, you have all of the preseason poll ratings and rankings. And we already saw in the very first week, some of those uh, schools that were ranked high, they ended up going down. Who would have ever thought that a school like Colorado that only won one game last year, started out 3-0, and and they were ranked? or a Clemson losing to a Duke, or LSU losing early on to Florida State. Now Florida State's undefeated. But the thing about the preseason poll is that someone's going to be preseason ranked number one. Now, in being preseason ranked number one, that doesn't mean that you don't have to play any of those 12 regular season games, that you get to go right to the conference championship, or you get to go right to the national championship. Being preseason ranked number one does not mean that you say, well, you know, we'll only play our home games. We won't go to any away games because we're preseason ranked number one. Being preseason ranked number one does not mean that you can come down and say, well, we'll only play teams with a winning record. You have to play every single game, every single team. Records does not do not matter. One of the interesting things is that we have seen many times in college football and other, you know, sporting events, that the, a, a team that's ranked at the top of the heap, they can end up losing to someone that does not have a great record. I remember the story of Appalachian State. Who can ever forget that great game? Appalachian State going up to the big house at the University of Michigan and upsetting the University of Michigan. 
And I'm sure many of you can, you know, remember many different upsets. I, I remember when Steve Spurrier, and I was at the University of Tennessee at the time, Steve Spurrier was a Duke. And he came into Nayland Stadium in Knoxville and upset the University of Tennessee. Or even more recently, a school that has only been playing football for like the last 10 or 11 years, that's Georgia State University, which is located in my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, played the University of Tennessee in Knoxville and beat us, Georgia State University. So the thing that we have to understand is just because you rank preseason number one in the polls, you still have to get out there and defend that ranking. And I think that's so important for President Trump, former President Trump, to understand. Yes, okay, all the polls say this, but you still have to get out there and show people and validate that you are that top-ranked, top-polling person. And again, if you're going to be the the big bear in the the woods, you got to fend off the wolves. You got to be able to show them that this is why. I'm here to validate the polls. I'm here to answer your questions. I'm here to to face your scrutiny. So I, I think that President Trump needs to be very careful because you run the risk of becoming irrelevant. If you think you can just sit back and go out and have your own, you know, personal rallies and things of that nature. And, and I get it. I understand it. But when you start to, and this was brought up last night, when you start to disrespect the Republican primary voter and saying that I got this in the bag, I'm preseason ranked number one. I don't need to be up here with anybody else. They're, they're polling low. Well, to me, you don't run from the challenge. You don't run from the fight. You don't run from the battle. You're there and you establish yourself. And again, you validate the poll ratings and the rankings that you have. So we'll see what happens uh, when we come up in November for the third presidential debate. But I got to tell you, looking at the debate last night, and please, I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, what you saw last night with the debate. You can call in at 888-589-8840. But when I go back and look at it, there were some candidates up there that had their memorized talking points. And they're going to get to those talking points no matter what. And so there were a few candidates that when they were asked a question, they completely dodged the question. Uh, And I will say that former Vice President Mike Pence, he immediately comes to mind when he was asked about Obamacare and he went and started talking about something else. When you only got one minute, you got to stay focused on the question that was asked last night. Now, I will tell you that the person that I think last night in the uh, GOP presidential debate that really surprise a lot of folks was North Dakota Governor uh, Doug Burgum. I mean, he has some great points out there, and without a doubt. And it seems that North Dakota, he is a well-run state, you know, under his leadership. And I believe that he is going to get a little bit more uh, visibility, maybe a little bit more opportunity to to speak to some of the policies, because on the economic front, energy front, National security front, I mean, he's doing very well. Now, some people say, well, it's North Dakota. It's not a big state, not a lot of people up there. But it's a very important state, especially when you look at the Bakken fields, the uh, energy fields up there, and the uh, aspect of our energy security. And if you want to talk about technology, you want to talk about economic uh, development and business development and and policies, uh, he's got some good points there. So I think that uh, he did, you know, show that he has a proven record and he needs to be heard. 
I think the person that really continues to struggle on that debate stage is Senator Tim Scott. Uh, and I'll be very honest. The first thing I noticed, because, you know, I'm a colonel, former colonel, United States Army. I'm always checking little details out because, as some people say, the devil's in the details. I did not see a United States flag pin on his lapel. And, and I th- that's just one of the things that I, I check and see uh, with, with, with people. And it really stood out because he was the only one that didn't have. I could not tell with Nikki Haley because of her hair, if she had a flag pin or not. But that's something that, that really did, uh, I honed in on. But it was interesting in that night, in the night last night, where it seems that there was a confrontation going on between Senator Scott and also former governor and ambassador to the United Nations, uh, Nikki Haley, who I thought, once again, did very well, very strong. But it, it appears that they are jockeying because they know the South Carolina primary is one of the important primaries coming up. They're jockeying to be that top dog there in South Carolina. And what was really an awkward moment for me was when Senator Scott started to challenge uh, Governor Haley on draperies in her office. I, I, I just couldn't get that. I mean, that to me was completely irrelevant. It had no, you know, no connection uh, with with the debate that was going on, but I will tell you that without a doubt, I, I think that Nikki Haley continues to to show herself very capable, very strong, very knowledgeable uh, on the policy issues. She answered the questions. She also has a very good, strong, proven track record. Now there may be some personality things that people don't like. I, I got it. I understand that, but I think she did very well. the uh, The other person that I think uh, continues to have a lot of attention put on them, but the, the, the scrutiny is picking up, and that's Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, I think Governor Haley really did hit him with a, a good sucker punch, a good hard punch uh, to the gut when she said, we can't trust you. When he was talking about you know, how we need to be on TikTok and, and connecting with young people, and, and, and I think that that kind of dug himself in the hole because he did get some questions on his uh, business ties. I think he had a medical... Uh, drug company that was over there in China and things of this nature. So that was something that he's going to continue to get some scrutiny on. And we'll see what what happens with that. But I will give uh, Mr. Ramaswamy some credit because at one point he did try to show some humility. And he did say that, you know, it it does appear that sometimes I come off as a know-it-all, but I don't want to seem that way. But without a doubt, like, like my mom and dad would have said, that boy sure can talk. He, he, he was dominating the stage as best as he could. Um, the other thing that I want to bring out about last night's debate, I think some of the questions from Dana Perino were just a little off base. Uh, when she tried to create this confrontation, this angst between uh, Governor Haley, Ambassador Haley and Senator Scott, you know, asking, you know, you know, how would you try to convince uh, uh, Governor Haley, you know, that you could be a good commander chief, you could be a good president. And then, of course, the, the real weird, silly question at the end, when she asked them to write down on a piece of paper, who would they want to vote off the island? Who would they want to vote off the stage? And I think that this was, you know, a very incredible point for Governor Ron DeSantis because he stood up and said, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that. He, he said, this is silly. We should not be you know, going down that path. And they all chimed in and said no. But it was interesting 
that, uh, you know, when asked, uh, governor, former governor uh, of New Jersey, uh, Christie, that I think Stuart Varney said, you were writing the name down. He said, yeah, I was writing down President Trump's name because uh, this is the person that should be voted off. And, and he got in a couple of good shots. I mean, the Donald Duck thing was kind of kind of funny. But that's why I go back to my original point starting off. It's so important that I believe President Trump gets on that debate stage and he has to start defending his his record as president. He has to face the questions and he has to be up there. And again, validate the polls, validate your preseason ranking, validate your 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 presidency, validate the reason why you want to be seen as the former president running to be president again. And not just have people dismissing you as a person that is running away from the event, the confrontation. I can tell you when I ran for governor here in the state of Texas, there were some 15 or 16 different debates, forums, what have you, in the uh, GOP primary. The governor of the state of Texas didn't show up to one. And I did see that as very disrespectful to the GOP primary voter here in the state of Texas. And look at some of the things that are happening on our border. Look at this Colony Ridge issue. So I believe that you should present yourself before the electorate and allow the electorate to hear from you and allow questions to be asked of you. So those are some of the points that I had. I think that when uh, the one lady from Univision uh, brought up the DACA issue, first and foremost, the the whole DACA issue, you know, the, the young people who uh, were, were children of folks that were here illegally, it was unconstitutional what Barack Obama did. He does not have the enumerated power to, to grant citizenship to anyone. That is a legislative branch thing, and that has to be brought up in law. So I think that was something that everyone should have stressed last night was the constitutionality of it. And we've got to protect our borders. There's no doubt about it. But in closing, I just want to say that the key thing that I believe was brought up last night by a couple of individuals is zero-based budgeting. If we are going to get our fiscal house in order in the United States of America, $33 trillion in debt, $2 trillion deficits, we have got to get the zero-based budget, not baseline budget, where all they're doing is continue to increase the spending every single budget cycle. They're not cutting spending. They're cutting the rate of the increase. So I love to hear from you all about what you thought of last night's debate. 888-589-8840. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, guest hosting Jenna Ellis in the morning. We'll be right back. Leisha had found herself in an unplanned pregnancy and wasn't sure what to do. She searched for pregnancy services and found a preborn network clinic where she was counseled, supported, and offered a free ultrasound. After seeing her baby and hearing the heartbeat, she cried. She was certain she would keep her baby forever. Leisha gave birth to a baby girl who is smart, beautiful, and full of life. Often, she visits that same clinic and receives free clothes, diapers, and more. 
Because of your generous support, Preborn writes 200 stories just like these every day. $28 can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection and doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers in crisis choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible and 100% of your donation goes towards saving babies. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning here on the American Family Radio Network. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, guest hosting for Jenna Ellis. Remember, the call-in number is 888-589-8840. And we're going to go to the lines. we got Shirley in Texas. Shirley, what's on your mind? Hi, Shirley in Tennessee. Thank you for taking Oh, I'm sorry, call. Tennessee, not Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have an issue with these elections. Number one, E.W. Jackson, he's the only one I feel comfortable voting for. And he wasn't even invited to the debate stage. I got a problem with that. Number two, I feel that all of the candidates are bought off by China. I feel that Donald Trump, the Trump scene, remember that, the, the, the creator of the Trump scene? But a lot of people are wanting to vote for him that I am speaking to around in my area. A lot of people have a lot of faith in Donald Trump, and I feel like it is idolatry. They got faith in these politicians. The only one who's really going to fix our economy and everything is Christ. He's got a time period to come back, and people had better be praying to him. I understand voting, but I can't vote for these people. The only one that I could vote for is E.W. Jackson. And if by chance he doesn't make it there, I don't even see a chance to vote because the rest of these people are lying. They're all bought off by China, and they all have histories and records, and none of them is going to do this government any good. And frankly, Biden's still throwing money out or trying to to Ukraine, which that should have been stopped a long time ago because he was selected and not elected. Trump was taken out, and he was selected. And other than that, we may not even have an election because of all the wickedness that's going on politician-wise. So I'm just very skeptical, and everybody needs to watch for October 4th when they pulse these waves, airwaves and all this electricity and stuff they're supposed to be pulsing. And I don't know what they're going to do with that. But I'm hoping that they're not going to vaccine injure more people with these pulses. They need to put their cell phones and computer items up. That's all I wanted to just share some thoughts. And God bless you. It's good to have you this morning. Well, thank you so very much, Shirley. And uh, I know Bishop E.W. Jackson uh, very, very personally. Uh, I was recently up there and I was uh, awarded his uh, George Washington Leadership Award from his stand organization. But one of the things, and, and I've talked to him about, you know, the, the issue of running for president, and I've talked to him about, you know, the border issue and some other things he's called me about. But there are certain criteria that you have to make uh, to, to be able to be on that debate stage uh, or else we could have, you know, 
20 different people up there. Uh, and as you saw last night uh, from the first debate, Governor Asa Hutchison, former governor of Arkansas, did not make the meet the criteria to be up there for the second debate. And at each debate stage, the criteria, <coughs> excuse me, gets a little bit tighter uh, because they want to try to focus on X amount of individuals. Now, as far as the issue of China, what I would say is you go and you do your due diligence and scrutiny to see who does truthfully have, you know, connections to China and, and uh, things of that nature. And I am concerned about how they're already talking about the next round of COVID shots and things of this nature. Uh, if folks have not uh, had the opportunity to go out there and try to research the VAERS report, that's the Vaccine Adverse Effects Report Study uh, that is out the report system that is out there. And I think you'll see a lot of things that will cause you some consternation and concern. Uh, myocarditis, uh, the heart issue disease we've seen with a lot of young people from that shot. Uh, so fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I don't think we'll be able to go down that path again. Thanks so much, Shirley. Let's go to Jerry in Texas. Hopefully I got Texas right this time. <laughs> yes, sir, you did. I was, How you doing, uh, Jerry? Wondering, good. How are you doing? Great. I was wondering about uh, the pardon program as as governor of Texas. How how would you, I know Abbott doesn't utilize it? He doesn't use it. And you know, and I, a lot of other states they have different stuff, but Texas does have the pardon program where you you can get for a certain amount of time, but. I was wondering how you thought about that. Well, here in the state of Texas, you have a commission on pardons that the governor has to go through first and foremost. And that commission on pardons makes the recommendation back to the to the governor. Uh, and, and you're correct. I mean, we hadn't seen that being used uh, that often here at in, in the last uh, two terms, I think, of the uh, Abbott administration here in his gubernatorial standing. I'm sorry I got my little grandson. He was here last night and uh, he's having fun. But uh, I think that, you know, when I look at the incident with the soldier who was, uh, I think, wrongfully arrested, charged, accused and now sentenced and is serving time for shooting the BLM Antifa protester who pointed an AK-47 at him in uh, downtown Austin. I think that's a great example of how Governor Abbott should be using the uh, pardoning process. Uh, and maybe he is, I don't know, but uh, I think that there could be some, some better things. But I think right now Governor Abbott here in Texas needs to be concerned about his connection to this illegal immigrant uh, sanctuary that's northeast of Houston called Colony Ridge because the developer of that uh, Colony Ridge uh, illegal immigrant settlement has donated out $1.4 million to Governor Abbott, and that developer's wife has uh, donated a lot of money as well. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll see what happens here in the state of Texas. And staying in Texas, we'll go to Sandy, who wants to talk about legal immigration from yesterday. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, and the debate last night I thought was kind of a – kind of a circus. I do agree with you. The governor of North Dakota was excellent. Our governor from South Dakota is excellent. Um, but on the uh, issue you were talking about yesterday, the illegal immigration, uh, the hidden uh, illegal immigration of uh, chain migration is yeah. um, goes pretty much uh, untalked, untalk, you know, not talked about. But I do have to say, I work in a pharmacy and I have to tell you, 
that Obamacare, I think this was one of the reasons it was created. Um, the, the people that come over, then they bring over, you know, the aunts and the grandmas and all that. All these people are on Obamacare. They pay no deductibles. They pay no co-pays. So you have all these senior citizens and, you know, our regular Medicare people, their deductible was raised, their co-pays were raised. These people come, come to pick up their medicines and they pay nothing. And it's very obvious that they, you know, they, they did not live in this country and work all their lives to get on, you know, what's called, so-called their Medicare um, but we know it's not Medicare. We know we can tell that it's Obamacare. Um, and another thing that I wanted to um, to ask you about is the Paxton thing. I live in Collin County, and all my representatives in the House voted against uh, Paxton. Then um, I did want to ask your opinion. I'm hoping you're going to do a show on uh, that issue. Um, I'd like to put a sign in my front yard to impeach my House representative. Um, for the waste of money and the bad voting. Yeah. Well, I think without a doubt, and uh, thanks so much, Sandy, for your call. I live right here in Garland, Texas, not too far away from you. And I will have to admit that when I look at what is going on with this chain migration, it is a very big concern that, that we have. And if we don't stop with allowing illegals to then bring other illegals in and these free taxpayer funded funded benefits like what we see happening with our healthcare system and you're right our seniors are paying for you know all of these things and there's a reason why the college uh, student launch please the, the reason why the college, I'm sorry that I've got my little grandson going crazy here, but the reason why we have this college student loan issue is because that was part of the means by which they could pay for Obamacare. Uh, and so this is not a good medical system. And, you know, this whole thing about no uh, co-pays and, and everything, who's paying for that? That's the American taxpayer. Uh, the other thing you talked about, the Ken Paxton issue, I think that the Texas GOP primary is going to be very, very interesting uh, because you did have these individuals that voted uh, for this impeachment, 60 uh, state house members, Republican state house members. Uh, I think that they're going to pay uh, a sincere uh, penalty for supporting that and going along with the Democrats and in, in impeaching a Republican attorney general. So we'll stand by and see what happens next March. Okay. Alfonso from Texas, first time caller. Hey, good morning, sir. Um, morning. I just wanted to say that watching this debate last night was kind of horrendous. <clears throat> Looking at them fighting against each other, not letting each other talk. They're making themselves look bad. And then to, if I was Donald Trump, I would still not show up to these debates. I wait till the last one where there's only three or four people left. And then you could actually really have a conversation and voters can really see what's going on with, with their stances on, on their issues. Um, one thing that I think that needs to happen it's all these politicians who are breaking the law and doing all these things to our country. They should be put in jail, prosecuted and put in jail. Any regular American citizen that would do a tenth of what they've done would end up in jail and they would throw the book away with the keys and everything else. If that doesn't happen, then we will always have a two-tier system where the people in the government can get away with doing whatever they want. And there's no accountability starting from Clintons and everybody else after them that's broken the law should be put in jail. 
including our current president. Well, I think one of the things, and, and great for, for having you as a first-time caller to the Jenna Ellis in the Morning Show, uh, Alfonso, is that we also, as the voting electorate, have a responsibility. And I think that too often we continue to vote for people that we know have these issues. And I think Albert Einstein once said the pure definition of insanity is continue to vote. I mean, continue to uh, do the exact same thing and think you're going to get different results. So we need to hold people to a higher standard and we need to hold them accountable. And, and that's why, again, I think that you have to be on the debate stage. Now, I will tell you that last night, yes, there was a lot of back and forth. Well, the moderators you know, try to foment a lot of uh, consternation and and uh, discontent out there. And I think that they have the power of shutting off microphones and trying to get this thing under control. There are some moments where they just let things get completely out of control. And that should be part of the rules in that, you know, we say there's one minute and there's 30 minutes, 31 minute and there's 30 seconds if your name is called out. Uh, you've got to keep people within those parameters. And so I think that last night, the moderators, as I said, Dana Perino, you know, purposefully uh, tried to get people going back and forth against each other, especially Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. And then she had that silly question at the end about, you know, who would you vote off the stage and ask people to write uh, down a name. So we don't need to have that. But, you know, again, coming back to the former President Trump, uh, I think it's still important that you're on that debate stage. You, it's still important that you show that you're the top dog. You're the big bear in the woods and you can fend off the wolves. And you can't wait to a... a a time and picking of your choosing to do that. I think that you have to show that anytime, any place that you're ready to take the battlefield. And as a former soldier, that was the thing. I had to take the battlefield when I had to take the battlefield. I didn't take the battlefield upon my own discretion to say, well, I'll only fight today because I think it'd be a favorable, favorable day to us. If the adversary is on the battlefield, you got to take the battlefield with them. Let's go to Ed, who is also a first time caller. Ed from Mississippi. Hey, Colonel West, I hope all is going well for you today. Yes, sir. Hey, I just, uh, Alfonso almost took the words completely out of my mouth um, about the debate last night. I thought it was a complete circus from the contestants all the way to the um, um, uh, to Dana Prino and uh, the others. Uh, it was just, I'm almost glad Donald Trump wasn't a part of it because it would have just became that much worse. Um, as of right now, I don't, it's almost sad to say that it, he's almost our only choice, um, because of what you see on the debate stage and the substance that you hear coming from people. And it's really not anything. Um, and then I don't know if he can win in the end, um, because of all of this that's going on. So it, it's really sad what we're seeing right now. Um, I thought the debate was just terrible. I just... And wind up, uh, and then, like you said about the voting, the people off the stage. It seemed like that Dana Perino was steadily trying to keep um, everybody just kind of tuned against each other. Um, just a complete circus. No, I have to agree with you completely, and and I think that that's why we need to have a little bit more maturity in the people that are there moderating these debates and be very serious about it. You know, I remember the old Meet the Press with Tim Russert. I mean, Tim Russert commanded respect. And and Tim Russert would set the rules and he would hammer you if you tried to get outside the box of the rules on his show and he held you accountable. 
So I think that we need to get back to that type of, of journalist or that type of person that's a moder moderating a debate that keeps people on time, on task, on target and on issue and, and make them answer the question instead of, you know, trying to create this uh, this spectacle. And so we'll see what happens going down the line. But one of the things that I wish would happen would be uh, a faith based uh, debate. I I'd love to see maybe a Dr. Dobson. Uh, or, or I've even brought it up out here uh, to the uh, Kenneth Copeland Ministries to, to host a, a faith-based debate. But we need to have something like that with some serious people asking questions. We also need to have, you know, like AMAC, the Association for Mature American Citizens. We need to have a debate that's focused on some of the issues that are facing our seniors uh, as well. So uh, I think we need to get away from some of these uh, media personalities and get back to some very serious folks. Uh, Joe in Arkansas, I got a couple of minutes before I have to go to break. What's your question, Joe? Okay, well, my comment is that I agree with you that Donald Trump should have been there. Uh, but this morning, I listened to his speech to the United Auto Workers in Michigan, and I thought it was one of the most wonderful, inspiring speeches I ever heard. And the point that he emphasized was that we've got to get out of these trade deals that have taken that have pretty, pretty much completely gutted our industry and taken so many jobs away from Americans and to foreign countries. And I think that and immigration are the two most important issues for the survival of this country. You know, if we don't stop yeah. illegal immigration and if we don't get our industry and our jobs back in this country, this country is done for. I, I absolutely agree with you, Joe. I got 30 seconds before the break. The reason why those United Auto Workers are out there is the policies of the Biden administration, his subservience to China on these electric vehicles, which they're going to benefit from. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much. Uh, we've got to take a quick break. 888-589-8840. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West guest hosting Jenna Ellis in the morning. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here, guest hosting. The call-in number, 888-589-8840. We're going to go to Stacy here in Texas, first-time caller. Stacy, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. I'm so glad to get on and get to talk to you. Thank you for your service and bless you. My pleasure. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you. I had a comment for the young lady that called about if E.W. Jackson couldn't run, that she didn't want to vote. And I would love to be able to vote for him or another Christian, but that's not always who we get to choose from. And I just wanted to make the point that we have to use our hearts and our brains to figure out which candidate is going to be the best one for, for us, and we have to vote. No, you're absolutely right. And it was interesting that I think it was Shirley from Tennessee. Uh, she talked yeah. about people going out there and worshiping, you know, a person or putting all their faith in a person. Well, she, Shirley, you kind of contradicted yourself because you came back around and said, if it's not E.W. Jackson, I'm not voting. So you're putting all of your faith in E.W. Jackson. And I get it. I got it. But if you go to the Bible, you got to understand that God used Cyrus, he used Xerxes, he used Nebuchadnezzar. These were not men of God. They were not, you know, of his uh, his faith belief to protect and save his uh, his children, the the people of Israel. So what we have to do is really, 
evaluate each and every one of these candidates. Do your due diligence out there. But to say that you're not going to vote, period, well, I, I got to tell you, that's that's a vote for the other side. And as I discussed yesterday, that's evil on the other side. You know, here in Texas, we just had a uh, a federal judge decide that drag shows are a First Amendment right. We passed legislation and it was signed into law that children should not be allowed to go to drag queen shows in Texas. Now we got a federal judge saying that, you know, that's a constitutional right. So I guess it's a constitutional right to take uh, kids to a strip show. And so when we're facing this type of evil, we need to make sure that we can find champions that will stand up against this type of evil uh, that we see permeating throughout our society. And again, we need to hold our elected officials accountable to that. So thanks so very much, Stacey. Continue to listen in to Jenna Ellis in the morning. And uh, I appreciate you calling in. Let's go to Susie, first-time caller and a former USO entertainer. Thank you so much, Susie. Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, my concern is if we don't have a uh, strong military, you know, all these other things won't make a hill of beans. No, you're absolutely right. And what I see happening with our military right now, and understand I spent 22 years in the United States Army. My dad served in World War II. My older brother served in Vietnam. My father-in-law served in Vietnam, two tours of duty. My nephew is serving right now. He's a lieutenant colonel. Uh, and I've got a son-in-law, my youngest son-in-law, who will be commissioned as a second lieutenant next year into the United States Army. If we don't have peace through strength, which is one of Ronald Reagan's mandates, if we continue to push this diversity, equity, and inclusion, this cultural Marxism, this gender dysphoria, and all of these things in our military, instead of focusing on our combat readiness, increasing our recruitment and retention of good quality soldiers, uh, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, they're licking their chops to include Islamic jihadists. Uh, and part of that is also securing our border. So I was very glad to see some strong comments last night about using our own United States military right here to protect our border. I got deployed many times in, in my uh, you know uh, uh, career in the military to go and protect other people's borders. Uh, in, in industrial desert storm, in Iraq, Afghanistan. So we need to protect our own borders. And if we have a transnational narco-criminal terrorist organization, which is what the cartels are, freely operating along our border, well, then we have to use and, and look at how we leverage our own military to go against these organizations who are making billions of dollars every month on human and sex trafficking. So you're absolutely right, Susie. And again, thank you so very much uh, that you are a USO entertainer, because that means a lot to our troops. Let's go to Jerry in Texas. Hey, Brother Wes, it's good talking to you. Uh, I Thank just you. wanted to make a comment. I did not watch the debates yesterday, but I'm, I'm listening because I know I'm going to get the good commentary because you uh, do your due diligence as well as Jenna Ellis and the others. Anyway, the comment about DACA, uh, it's funny that I was reading Matthew 25 in my morning reading this morning, and we're not to govern the government itself. Even as a father, I don't govern my household by emotion. You cannot govern mm -hmm. a society or a household by emotion. In Matthew 25, as you probably well know, states where Jesus is saying that in the last day, the Father, our Heavenly Father, will separate us, the sheep on the right and the goat on the left, and the goats will be cast out into everlasting darkness. Well, if God, the Heavenly Father of sovereignty of creation, governs without emotion, and our forefathers knew that 
setting up the document that runs this country knew you can't govern on emotion. We, we as Republicans, as conservatives, as followers of Christ, have to platform and communicate better why it's not right or even just to govern by emotion because they change daily on a, on a daily basis, on, for some hourly. But I'm going to let you go. That's my comment. Keep doing what you're well, doing, brother. We're praying for y'all. Uh, thanks so much, Jerry. And I think you bring up a great point in that, you know, look at in the home. You know, I, I will tell people that as a parent, I'm a benevolent dictator. Uh, and that's just how it should be. That's how my parents were. Uh, but now when you have uh, parents that are trying to, you know, acquiesce, affirm and all of these other things, uh, you know, put in emotions first instead of putting standards first and God given principles and values in raising up their children and, and, and in their homes. Uh, that's where you see a lot of the problems. So, yes, you have to govern according to the rule of law. And that's the Constitution. That's why I'm so concerned about this whole populism thing, because you cannot lead by being popular. You cannot lead by saying that I'm going to try to appease and acquiesce and compromise and, and get along with everybody. You can't do that. You have to have a standard. The standard is the Constitution and the rule of law here in the United States of America. We're compassionate people, but also we are people that have to be uh, governed, not ruled, but governed by the rule of law. And that is everything that we have codified in that document, September 17, 1787, the United States Constitution or our respective state constitutions as well. Let's go to Michael in Mississippi. Hey, I appreciate the, uh, let me talk for a second. I'll be quick. I know you're short on time. Um, I just want to say I saw the debates. I thought it was a spectacle. I thought it proves that the GOP establishment has zero identity. Everybody on stage who made a comment that was in a positive way, they were on the coattails of Donald Trump. Um, they are literally writing all of the things that he did as a president, especially Mike Pence as the vice president. The thing is, what it shows is, is that they don't get it. They don't understand that we have seen the veil pulled. We understand that these people are bought and paid. We understand that the political system is not working. We understand that we as voters don't have the real say in representation. It's the people that are buying the politicians. It's the, it's the corporations. It's the lobbyists. And we're sick of it. And that's what they don't understand is that Donald Trump can be off that stage because he doesn't have to be on that stage. Because in his four years in office, he did more of his what he said he was going to do as a campaign uh, when he was campaigning than any other president in my lifetime. I'm 40 years old. George Bush didn't do it. Obama didn't do it. Nobody did it. And so it doesn't matter what these people say. They have failed every time they've gotten in office. They've never done what they said. And while Trump was in office, they didn't even back him up. And even without the support of his own GOP, he still got more stuff done. And that's what they don't get. They don't understand that they don't they are not representing the people that they're saying that they're supposed to represent. And we understand this and that's why we're not going to vote for a single person on that stage. And that's my comment. Well, you know, be careful about, you know, making such a, a, a declarative, uh, a definitive declaration uh, of saying that I'm only going to vote for this person and not anybody else, uh, because I think that sometimes we have to make sure that we can make the best choice possible for our country going forward. Uh, I, I will agree in that we do have a problem with, you know, special interests and self-interest as well in our electoral process, electoral system. But again, it comes back to us as the electorate 
scrutinizing people and making sure that we are selecting someone that will go out there and restore that what Abraham Lincoln talked about, the government of the people, by the people, and for the people in the uh, Gettysburg Address. And we've got to make sure that we have folks that understand a very foundational uh, understanding of who we are and, and the Constitution. You know, I'd love to see a debate, and, and, and maybe he'll be listening, but I'd love to see the debate on constitutional issues. I'd love to see someone like Mark Levin uh, moderate a GOP presidential debate. And it's all about the Constitution. It's all about going through the Constitution and understanding the right and proper relationship between the government and the individual, because the individual in the United States of America is sovereign, because our rights come from a sovereign God. Our life, liberty, our pursuit of happiness, or John Locke, 1683, Second Treatise of Government, Life, Liberty, and Property. But those are the things that the government is supposed to protect. And if you all have not read the essay by the French economist uh, Frederick Bastiat called The Law, I would advise you to read that. That was written back in 1850. It lays down what the government is supposed to do for us, the citizen. And we got to get back to that because right now, and I talked about this yesterday, we've got people that want to have their ears tickled. We've got people that are looking to government to give them uh, all the different things that they want. And Alexander Fraser Teitler talked about this cycle of a democracy. We are a representative democracy as our electoral process and system of representation. We're a constitutional republic as far as our system of governance. But how many people understand that? So I think that instead of these media personalities that are up there, you know, creating all of this, you know, contention and, and uh, discord uh, uh, with these debate candidates, let's have a constitutional debate and let's get some serious, get Jonathan Turley up there to, to ask questions about the Constitution and interpreting policy with the Constitution and where we are right now, because I can tell you. The 14th Amendment is being abused. They kind of touched on it last night with the whole anchor baby thing. But we need to understand what the 14th Amendment is, because Section 3, which some people are trying to use to keep President Trump off the ballot uh, in certain states, that has no relevance to President Trump whatsoever. So I, I thank you so much, Michael. And uh, hopefully we can get to a more serious debate moderators and a more serious debate. But again, I reiterate, I think that the former president needs to be on that stage uh, if you're the big dog, be the big dog and fight off everybody else. Cynthia, first time caller from Oklahoma. Yes, I was wanting to make a comment. Um, and Miss the the caller beforehand, that's pretty much what I feel. As a as a voter, we were disregarded. Um, as you know, if we if we're moving forward with all these different candidates and stuff, and I understand your stance, but I agree that. Donald Trump doesn't need to be up there uh, because they're just going to target him. They're just going to continue. Look what they're doing out and what, what all the indictments and stuff, you know? So I do agree that he shouldn't be up there. Uh, and I think he did the right thing and not, not going on this debate. Um, I understand your stance that, you know, uh, we have to choose, you know, we're, we have to choose what we chose in 2020 and that didn't happen. So uh, I think a lot of Republicans, conservatives, uh, voters, that uh, we are disheartened and that we, you know, it's very disheartening that our votes, you know, we voted. And now in this new upcoming 2024, also, also too, 
the being able to watch the debates. I remember as a child and as a teen, they used to be um, all over the news stations, you know, and now it's a specific news station that carries it. So that limits the ability for a lot of American voters to, to watch it because it's, it's limited now. So you can't watch it on, you know, different news stations. So I went through there last night trying to flip through my channels, trying to find it. and I couldn't find it, so I went to bed, you know. And uh, the the they didn't consider people who go to work early. Um, they put it on very late. So there's a lot of, lot of um, uh, I guess, uh, roadblocks to me that, that they're doing. So they're encouraging everybody to watch these debates, but they're not considering time frame, you know, stations that can carry it, things like that. They're, they're putting purposely roadblocks. And so all these different candidates, even if we get down to a couple, or even if, you know, the it, it's like out of our hands. And that's what a lot of voters are, you know, probably are, are aggravated and frustrated because it's going to be out of our hands, like what they've already done. So putting uh, Donald Trump, I mean, it, he would just been a target last night. I mean, it would all be in about against him. So the, the other candidates up there, they would have already. They would have played along with it, you know. So why watch all that? We watch it all the time in news, you know. Like it's constant. He's in the news every day. So why why put him up there again and let seven other people just continuously attack him? So that's my opinion. Well, uh, as I get ready to wrap up, Cynthia, I will tell you that when I was a commander in Iraq, I had a bounty on my head, so I was targeted by the other side. Uh, that didn't mean that I stayed on the compound. I got out there and fought with my soldiers in, in different engagements. So that's what leadership is all about, uh, and I think that you should accept the challenge and get out there. The other thing that I want to say is that you know, primary debates are different from the general election debates, and everyone is into the primetime news slot, and so we have to be very cognizant of that. But I just want to say thanks so very much for, for you all. And thanks, Jenna Ellis, for allowing me to guest host these last couple of mornings. Continue to listen to Jenna Ellis in the morning here on the American Family Radio Network. God bless you all and take care. We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies' lives. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com.